Well, g'day, g'day, g'day. Hope you're having a super Monday. Uh, when you jump on, let me know that you're here. Let me know where you're watching from. And uh, I'm going to engage with you. Put something in the chat for me. Put your town and even your country. If you're not watching from Australia, let me know. Because I want to see what happens. Are we good, Caden? Okay. Um, you know, what is this all about? BBB, Bible for Business. You know, at the end of the day, it's... Uh, it's not like there's a different set of scriptures for business people, right? You know, it's like, it's like the scripture is the scripture. And so, um, and so literally for me, you know, this is, <clears throat> so how do you become a good entrepreneur for Christ? Well, you've got to get the scriptures inside of you and let them play out in the marketplace, right? That's how you're going to, that's how you're going to help play a part in redeeming, redeeming culture for Christ. All right. So, Hey, Clinton. Hey, Luke. Hey, Liam. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Bible for business. It's a, I want to take as many of the scriptures as I possibly can, and I want to get them in the context of business. All right. So a lot of other trainings that I've put out and will put out are, are really kind of business centric, but this particular training is going to be more Bible. All right. And we're going to have fun from there. So, um, so you may or may not remember, but back on, Hey Dan, back on July the 17th, I emailed the database and said, I'm stopping the podcast. And, uh, and that's what we did. And, and if you remember that basically came about because, um, you know, I wasn't super happy with, with, with some of how it was looking and, and things like that. I was a bit it felt a bit routine. And so I took that to the Lord and I felt the Lord say to me, you have to lay it down. If you want to birth something bigger and better and greater, then I want you to lay that down. And, and, and as an act of faith, that's what I did, laid it down. And, uh, and I had no idea what the next iteration was going to look like, but I did have, I did have, um, you know, aspirations to want to do something bigger and better and global and, and, and multiply the reach and, and, and help more people, you know, like uh, around the world. And so the next iteration of this is the Bible for Business broadcast. How often are we going to do this? You're going to have to stick around to find that out. Today, of course, I want to talk to you about intimacy with the Lord. Of course, we would start there uh, if uh, if we're going to talk about kingdom business, right? Because at the center of all of this is your relationship with Jesus. And I know that's an offensive word for some of our streaming platforms, but I don't care. We're going to use it. When you jump on, let me know where you are. I want to I wanna know. Are you on the Tube? Are you on the Facebook? Are you on the LinkedIn? Soon to be on the IG. See how we go with that. I want to know where you're watching from because I want to know what's popping. So let me know. Let me know where. It's coming to come up on my screen just down there underneath where you are. 
All right, let's look at intimacy with the Lord. And we're going to read some scriptures because it can't be Bible for business without some scriptures. All right, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel 30. <clears throat> and if you've, you know, if you know, if you know these kind of things, then if you know the story of David and, and you've been around any kind of prophetic people, then you would know about Ziklag, which is um, something that the, the prophetic people use a lot. Um, and that's awesome. Jason from Melbourne joining from LinkedIn. Well, I appreciate you. Facebook user from Facebook. Awesome. That don't really help me. But anyway, all right, so uh, 1 Samuel 30, and uh, I'm going to read a whole bunch of scripture, and then I'm going to go to a different bunch of scripture, and then we're going to look at some scripture, and then we're going to pontificate around the scripture. All right, this is what it says. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, uh, and burned it with fire. Uh, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anybody, but carried them away and went went and went their way. So David and his men. So they've been away at battle. They've come back, and Ziklag is burned to the ground. Hesha uh, from Brizzy, um, and uh, they've been away, and they've come back, and they have been. The Amalekites have come and taken everything and, and burnt their city to the ground. <clears throat> So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Uh, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Um, then David and his people who were there with him lifted up their voices and wept. I mean, that's, I don't know about you, but I um, i feel like that is a godly man right there. I know in this current world, um, there's a lot of people who uh, think that, you know, a man that cries is weak, but man, when a man sees unrighteousness like that and cries, I think it's very, very godly. Um, uh, And David's two wives, okay, well, there's one of his mistakes, but David's two wives um, had been taken captive. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke about stoning him. So if you go back a little bit, it's like, you know, all hell David, right? And, And then he goes to battle and he's got his mighty men. But because there was a drama when he comes back, pretty big drama they immediately wanted to stone david and um and it's interesting how people can be so fickle um because the soul of all of the people was greatly grieved every man for his sons and his daughters but david strengthened himself in the lord so so here we go people want to stone him and we start to get a picture of the character of david david strengthened himself in the lord then david said to abiathar the priest and this is the bit um, please bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought David the ephod. So David, catch this. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the troops and shall I overtake them? All right. So he strengthens himself in the Lord and then he goes straight to the Lord and inquires of the Lord and gets God's strategy. Now, I, I have a feeling that he just would have been great. He would have said, you know, if God had said no, he would have said no, and he, and he wouldn't have done it because he was the kind of guy he was. But he inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the troops and shall I overtake them? And so God answers them, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. Um, so David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, uh, where they stayed. Uh, so 200 people stayed behind, but David pursued with 400 men. Um, because the 200 were weary and could not cross 
the brook. So uh, what I love about this is, you know, like, well, I'll read on it and tell you. Then, then they found the Egyptian. They found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. No kale, just for the record. So when he had eaten, his strength came back. For he had eaten no bread, drunk no water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to who do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. So you, you get a picture of who the Amalekites are. They don't even care for their people. We made an invasion of the southern area of the uh, Carithites uh, and the territory which belongs to Judah. So he's basically found somebody that was left behind who had just been and burnt down their city. Um in the southern area of Caleb, and we burn Ziklag with fire. Um, amazing. So David said to him, take me down to the troops. So so God plans a divine appointment for him to meet somebody who basically says, yeah, 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 that was me. Yeah, that was us. Yeah, we, we, we did exactly. And allows him. He basically takes him to where all of the troops are. Um, and then, it, But then he's like... If, but swear by your God, you'll never kill me or deliver me into the hands of my masters uh, and I'll take you down. So in other words, just save me. And it never refers back to whether we did or not. Um, and when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing. Um, because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. That's a, that's a fair old run. Um, none of the men escaped except the 400 young men who rode out on camels and fled. So now catch this, right? So, so it's beautiful. Hey, Erin, thanks for joining. Um, so, so first of all, one of the things that we can distill from here, like 200 men couldn't, couldn't keep going. They stopped at the brook, right? And, um, and it talks later about how hungry and that they were like, like, I know there's a current teaching right now that's like, you know, I mean, I've heard, you know, I'm too blessed to stress. It makes me want to vomit my face off, right? Like I hear people that say, oh, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. I hear people that say, oh, we, we live in a rhythm of grace. And the rhythm of grace means that, you know, like no man can close a door that God opens. It's like this is all absolute rubbish that has entered the body of Christ, right? Of course, a man can shut a door that God opens. He's been warring against the flesh and, and humanity and choosing their choices for 6,000 years. Like, like. Like you will have to strive. You will have to push. It will have to be uncomfortable if you want to do the will of God and push for things for the kingdom. You're going to have to go hungry. You're going to have to be thirsty. You're going to have to push. When other people are weary, you can't afford to be weary because you've got an assignment in your life to go and do something great, right? We've got to bring back like hard work and 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 pushing, right? And, you know, and, and all diligence and seeing things to completion. And we've got to bring that stuff back. Like it can't all just be pixies and pharaohs, you know, and rainbows and fairy dust, you know, in 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 the in 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 our glory, you know, chasing churches anymore. I mean, they're awesome. Like like the Lord wants to show off in a glory meeting inside a church because we need them, but it's not just for there. Like, we, we, you know, we, he's the God of all of it, right? So we've got to actually find it in that place where we do actually see things through. We've got to push when it's uncomfortable, right? It wasn't comfortable for David. Just when, when everybody else is tired, he starts a battle that goes for, you know, 30-odd hours. So, so we've got to push. Now, catch this. That's just my little soapbox, and there might be more than one. 
So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, okay? And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which had been taken from them. David recovered all. How good is God? Then David took all the flocks and herds that they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. So he didn't just get back everything. He basically took all their livestock with him and said this, I'm taking this, right? Because I'm here and I can. So what's the moral of the story here when it comes to intimacy? It comes to intimacy because David inquired of the Lord. That's it. David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue the troops and shall I overtake them? Right? So it's like he had a strategy, right? He had a strategy for how to conduct himself, but where did the strategy come from? We're going to flick now. We're going to go and chat to chat about another absolute legend in scripture. We're going to look at a guy called Joshua. What do we know about Joshua? Well, he's basically, you know, Mo's um, nephew, and um, he's going to take people in the promised land, and he's going to see a promise that Moses isn't going to get to see, uh, and so forth. But but it's it's really interesting, right? Because I want to draw a distinction between David, who inquired of the Lord, and Joshua, who didn't. So we're going to go to Joshua 9, and we'll start with 3. But when the inhabits... So... Um, now, we're going to go back to nine just because I want to set you up to win. So, and it came to pass when all the kings who were on the side of the Jordan in the hills and the lowlands in and uh, and all the coast of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it. They gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. So he's basically, uh, he's fighting battles big time. And um but when the inhabitants of Gibeon, which weren't in that list, because he's not going to fight with the Gibeons yet, heard what Joshua had done to Jericho. So you remember Jericho and you remember AI, right? Um, you know, the walls fall down, you know, all of the wealth, that the loot went to the treasury, except Achan stole some, God's wrath burned against them. So you remember that story? So, so they had heard about, you know, the walls of Jericho, the trumpets that come down, the, the, the killing of all the people. Um. Th- so when they heard of this, they went and pretended to be ambassadors. They took old sacks of their donkey, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua, to the camp of Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country, now therefore make covenant with us. So basically, these guys are full on deceitful. They've they only live just over the hill, um, but they are scared about Joshua and the fact that God, you know, is on Joshua's side, and so they they have basically faked a covenant, made it look like they've been traveling for days and days with worn out food and, and moldy food and, and so forth, and they've come and said, "Make a covenant with me." Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, "Perhaps you'll dwell among us. So so how can we make covenant with you?" Uh, but they said to Joshua, we'll be your servants. In other words, we just need in. We just want in. We'll be your servants, but we want in. And that was their way of getting in. They didn't want to be servants, but they said they wanted to be servants as a way of getting in. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? And they said, from a very far country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord, your God, who we heard, right? We're super scared. Go down a little bit further. Uh, we are your servants. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. 
This bread of ours we took from our provision from our house on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it's dry and moldy. These wineskins, which were filled, you see, are, are now torn, and our garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of the provisions, but they did not ask counsel from the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and he made a covenant with them to let them live and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. And it happened at the end of three days after they made covenant that he found out that he got cheated, but he wouldn't go against it because he made a covenant before God, but he did not inquire of the Lord. So you can imagine, I wonder how many business decisions you're making on a daily basis where you are not inquiring of the Lord. All right. I wonder how much strategy you are coming up with instead of the Lord. I wonder how many times you actually take what you want to do and you go and vet it before the Lord your God. See, it's really interesting because both David and Joshua were both at war. So it's not like it's not like one's busy and one isn't and he just didn't have time. They're both at war right? It's just that one had a different strategy and one didn't. One was prepared to inquire of the Lord and one wasn't. So, so where, like, what's the distinction between a David and a Joshua? Well, the answer is in the title of the video. See, David, 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 you know, and and because we, we don't we don't get an insight in Joshua, but we get an insight in the Psalms of how David lived, how David walked, how David conducted himself, how he viewed God, uh, and so forth. Now we we know specifically the Psalms are written by a bunch of different people, um, maybe maybe six or seven different contributors, but compiled by David. So some David wrote, some Dave compiled, um, but we can start to see a clear picture of who he was, you know, in the Psalms. All right. So here's, here's Psalm 18, just for fun. It starts like this. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Catch this. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. See, see that speaks to the level of relationship that they had, right? The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Psalm 91, right, says, you know, uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, right? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That speaks like, like that's where he dwelt. He dwelt, right, in the shelter of the Most High. Um, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. He will say of his God, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you right from the foul snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will put you under his wings, cover you with feathers. Right? So, so it speaks to David's ability to be in a secret place, a resting place. He, he, his, his whole world was God, you are my rock and my refuge. You are my fortress, right? You know, we read about him saying, you are my secret place. And I think that's the difference between a David who constantly inquires of the Lord. Like, like he didn't act out of vengeance. He didn't say they've ripped everybody off. I need to go after them, right? After he had strengthened himself in the Lord, he goes straight to God and said, do you want me to go after them? And God says, yes, go after them and I'll deliver them and you'll get back everything you did. And obviously that's how it pans out. 
but it comes from that place of intimacy and it comes from having intimacy comes from having that secret place. So how do you and I do this? By the way, if you're watching, do me a favor. Let me know where you're watching from because I want to know. All right. Call me greedy, but I want to know where you are. Um, so, so what does it look like for you? What does it look like for you to have a secret place? What does it look like for you to have, you know, that, that to, to basically see that, you know, that you can sit on, I mean, Psalm talks about it being under the, uh, under God's wings and his feathers around you. Now God's not a bird, right? But, it, but it's, but, but it's about literally having that place where you can go and, and be vulnerable and, and ask questions and so forth, right? And you know that when you ask, God speaks, right? What does that look like for you in 2023 in a busy, busy world, right? Because <clears throat> remember, this isn't about going into a cave, right? A, a physical cave, right? It, 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 you, you, you have to find how this works for you, right, in the real world. And, and so it could be that you go out in the bush, right? And you go and get some time with the Lord in the bush. That would be awesome. The problem is, is that how often can you go and do that? So it might be great that you go on off in the bush with your Bible and a notebook and you should do tons of that. But how, like, are you doing that once a fortnight? If you're doing that once a fortnight, that's fantastic. But that's not, that's not intimacy with the Lord if you just check in with him every 14 days. So that's cool. You need that and you can build that depth inside your relationship. But what does it look like on a daily basis to make him your fortress, to make him your refuge, to make him your hiding place? Now, of course, you know, everybody's going to be different and different seasons will require different things. So, so as a, for example, you know, for me, there's one chair at home, right? That I just love sitting in with my scriptures, right? And now I've got three kids and they're energetic and they're climbing the house and ripping everything down. And, you know, I need to play games and I need to muck around with them. And, and, and there's a house to look after and there's food and dinner and, you know, I've got a busy wife and she's awesome. So, so the question is like, how do you do that? Well, for me, it's, I've got to, I've got to kind of wait till everybody's in bed and there's a bit of calm in the house and I've prayed for the kids or whatever. And now I've got to take some time to recalibrate from the day. Okay. And it doesn't just have to be one place. One of the things I love doing is getting into the office early, right? Get the scriptures open, talk to the Lord. What about this? Where are we going with that? What does that mean? Should I bother with that strategy? What's that project? Is it a waste of time? Yep. Okay, good. File that. That's, that's that secret hiding place. And, and so I'm talking here about creating spaces that you see as your secret hiding place that you can go to on a regular basis and have intimacy with the Lord. Now, I'm talking about it being intentional. This is not going to happen in five minutes, right? And it's not going to happen while you're driving and you're distracted, right? It's got to be intentional time where you go, okay, that is how I'm doing this season because it, it may change. You know, like we've got an office now, but who's to say I don't have one in the future? Well, that won't be an option, right? So I'm, I'm just saying like there's it, it, it doesn't have to look anything except intentionally choosing time and space to be intimate with the Lord. And if you get that and you constantly in communication, then when you, when you pray, he obviously hears and he will speak and he never won't speak. Right. When, when you're, when you're putting, you know, when you're inclined to the things of the kingdom, when you're seeking first the kingdom, right. And on that journey, you're like, Lord, I need answers for this, this and going there. What about he'll speak right? Because he wants the outcome more than you do, because he wants to grow you on the journey of the outcome. 
but you've got to create the spaces and places to be able to do that. And that is up to you, you know, and, and of course, you know, if we go back to David, like we read about the success, but David had a lot of success in his life. And if you read about Joshua, he had success too. But, you know, if, if you go on from Joshua and you read like what happened by bringing the Gibeonites in, it's that he, he, he turned them into woodcutters and slaves and servants. That's awesome. And they stayed as woodcutters and servants, except they intermarried, which was never the plan. And so, you know, it ended up being a huge amount of problems and division and so forth, right, by letting them in. But he couldn't undo it because he made a covenant before God. And, and it was simple. The difference between the success of David and the failure of Joshua was inquiring with the Lord and having that place to do it. But I want to know from you, what does it look like in your world? What does it look like for you to have that level of intimacy when you're trying to build a business and there's 4,000 demands on your day? I mean, I get it. I have those too. And you would think, you would think that if I didn't spend time with the Lord and I spent it doing a billable hour, you think I'd have more money and I would in the short term, but it would not get me where I want to go. Listen, I, I, I did business and, and, and my faith long enough without combining the two. And I've seen how bad I can make decisions if I don't inquire of the Lord. I've seen it, right? I, I've, I've made some doozy mistakes over the years by not inquiring with the Lord. And, and, and after a while, you realize that it's just not worth it. So, so here's what, so straight off the bat, BBB one, right, is going to be, you've got to spend more time with the Lord. You've got to be intimate. Um, and you've got to have the discipline of being intentional about finding that place and staying in it. Now there's a bunch of people watching this and I don't know where you are. Where are you from? Go and type in for me into the chat, whatever platform. Um, something else that I would absolutely love you to do is share this broadcast, literally find the share button on whichever platform you're on, find the share button and share it up, right? I want BBB to go viral and I need your help. Share it up for me. Um, that way I can get more people plugged in. We can, we can basically take this, we can take this move of God in the marketplace and spread it far and wide. All right. That's us. I'm going to be back with another episode at some point really, really soon. It's been great hanging out with you. Put your biggest lesson in the comments so that I can see them, and I'm going to engage with you there. Enjoy the rest of your day. Love you.